I started in 88, it was November. And uh, I have never touched in my life a computer, never. But I was hired as a marketing guy. I used to work briefly in a bank. And then uh, I, I started and we organized our first events and our first software basically with, uh, with phone and fax, not with computers. We didn't have that. We had this, we had of course R2 at the time. And then we have R mail, that was our first kind of email. And that was a way how we communicated with each other. It was very stable, but we didn't have laptops or anything like this. So it was a, it was a, a, an interesting time, you know, it was, uh, it was a, a time where we had uh, uh, lots of growth, of course, you know, we had lots of excitement and lots of passion. And it was also interesting because uh, when we uh, then started out of uh, uh, Germany and then expanded around the world, you know, many customers said, well, uh, but wouldn't you start in America, you know, with, with software? They couldn't believe that software could be made in Germany. So there were these four founders working together. There were an open uh, kind of, uh, it was very unhierarchical uh, for SAP. And I think, again, I think this uh, is uh, one of the successes SAP had because we were a bit chaotic. I call it ord uh, order in the chaos because we were very fast in decision-making, we could react very fast, you know, I mean, uh, uh, other companies were, uh, you know, behind us, of course, you know, but we were very fast to launch things uh, and to take decisions. And, I, and, and we, were, uh, we were always talking uh, to each other what should be done. So it was not just single decisions and pe people could always relate why the decision was made because you felt you were part of all the decisions actually. And I think that's also uh, 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 something SAP has as a unique uh, point, yeah. Actually, I started in 1988 in, uh, it was called SAP International, which was in Beale. And we started in Beale actually at the time, you know, when the, remember probably when the watch industry was going down, and then uh, the city of Peel said, we have to do something to attract talent and we attract companies. And then Mr. Uh, the board basically decided, you know, why not we put an international entity there and build an international organization for SAP? Because at the time, basically it was Germany, a few clients in Austria, a few clients in Switzerland, which were kind of uh, uh, active, yeah. And then at that time, it was a time when we, basically out of Beal started all the international subsidiaries around the world. And that was an interesting time because uh, we founded legal entities in America, in Asia, everywhere around the world. And we invoiced the customers in Swiss francs and uh, delivered the software out of Beal and also did the consulting and they wired the money back. And that basically gave us foundation, the money to invest in R3. I remember at that time, Hasso Plattner was our boss. And uh, Hasso said, well, our software is so great that we don't really need marketing. Yes, we need a few events. Maybe we need a few brochures, but we don't really need marketing. So the idea at the time was really uh, kind of getting out, supporting the sales uh, with brochures, with collateral, doing a few events, 
We did, for example, the first, it wasn't called Sapphire, it was R2 user in Lausanne in 89. That was the first international conference. And it was not an ID. And that's the interesting fact uh, SAP had inside out. It was something the customer said, it would be a great ID if we share knowledge and can influence SAP how they should develop in the future. So it was a customer-driven initiative. And I think that's the DNA of SAP. It always was because you, uh, you listened to the customer and based on that, you, you did uh, solutions. It was not solutions which we built in a glass house. It was solutions really the customer wanted to have. And uh, uh, so that was the marketing in the early stages. And then, of course, when we started to build all the international subsidiaries, you had a head of sales, you had a head of consulting, finance, and always a marketing manager. And the marketing manager, he had to put the brand in the market. You know, he had to show that SAP, they called it often SAP, which wasn't, wasn't a nice name. And in South Africa, they called it South African police. So we had all kinds of struggles, but it was, uh, uh, it was really getting the name out and getting the first customers going. But it was a very customer-centric marketing. It wasn't about brand building at the time. It was more a sales-driven marketing. The thing was, uh, in uh, Waldorf, where, uh, uh, the lights were on literally all night long. It was uh, unbelievable. You could feel the passion of the employees, how they would give everything they, you know, to, to make the customer happy. They were very customer-centric here. And you had also the, the thing here, uh, which was interesting that, uh, uh, and Hasso always said it, you have to go to the, you have to meet the customer, you have to do consulting, you have to do training, you had to do multiple things uh, to really get uh, understanding what the customer needs are. And that feedback we brought back uh, into SAP. And based on that, we developed uh, extensions or solutions, whatever, yeah. Now, at the time, we didn't have the gardener groups, the foresters, the IDCs of the world and all those. So we had, uh, uh, there was not so much influen uh, influencers, but uh, at that time, the influencers were the customers. So if mobile did something interesting, Chevron did it too, text, and so on and so forth. So customers were following uh, basically other customers. And let's not forget, it was a uh, R2 was a breakthrough from Lochkarten to R2 to an automated, integrated, real-time system, then to client server with R3 and so on. So, uh, so it was an evolution, but I would say, again, the customer drove a lot of that innovation. I think that was the, the centerpiece of all. I mean, uh, that's what, I mean, let's say the first decade, it was brochures and then it, then it was events. And I think you see it still with SAP uh, today with Sapphire, for example, and all that stuff. It's massive. I think uh, even today in this digital uh, economy, uh, people want to meet, they want to connect to each other. So events are still and were at the time the most important, uh, the most important thing. Then, as we tried to expand the brand uh, to a wider audience, because we were talking all of a sudden to line of business, uh, business to different industries, then 
we started also to go a bit broader. So we did TV campaigns, we did uh, advertising campaigns, we did uh, radio. Uh, we used all these tools at the time very heavily uh, because it brought us to a wider audience because we knew we could not only rely uh, to the CIO, we needed also the executive suite to endorse SAP and look at SAP as a valid candidate. Sapphire, uh, uh, again, was driven by a customer and that was ICI. Um, and there was a meeting in uh, Scheunenberg in the Schweiz, um, in Switzerland. And um, the customer said, hmm. and he was the CIO of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of ICI in Canada. And he said, it would be great if we once uh, would get together all the customers with the SAP management and, and second tier and third tier, whatever get together, SAP tells what they do, we tell what we do, and we can influence uh, the product. Before it was like, okay, we just call uh, uh, Germany and then we put a development request in. And um, now Sapphire become much bigger with, in the US, for example, with ASAC integrated. And um, it is the first, I have to say that, it's the first industry conference. It was not Salesforce, so yeah, definitely not. It was not PeopleSoft, it was not Oracle, it was not Shaders. It was SAP who had invented that concept. And it was uh, invented by an idea of a customer, again, customer driven. I would say it's the passion for the product company and the customer. And I think um, uh, it's also the way in SAP you have chances. If you really want, you can do whatever you want in SAP. I never had to ask for a salary rise. I never asked for a promotion. It just came uh, because you work, you show the passion and it led you to some interesting things. And I think that's very different. And I would also say now everybody talks about Google and everybody talks about Facebook and uh, that's the future to work together. But SAP had that concept in the 80s, 90s. I had so much freedom. I felt like an entrepreneur and I feel, still think in many aspects that is possible in SAP. Of course, it's a larger company and many might tell me now, Tom, yeah, well, that's way too much. You're dreaming about that all time. No. I think you still can do it. And I see people in SAP, I have lots of friends still working there, I have friends who say they have freedom to do what they want. And I think that's, that's the, something you have to keep very dear to your heart uh, to keep that going. Uh, otherwise you will lose sooner or later the people. I think that's the beauty of SAP. It's, uh, you're allowed to make mistakes. Be uh, it's uh, better, to, uh, be be uh, better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. And I think that's the SAP DNA. And I think, I hope at least, and I, uh, that this uh, is gonna continue because that makes the company successful.